Penny, star one. Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C., and I am recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Today is Friday, May 20th, 2022, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book. We are in Bill's story, page 5, the second paragraph, which begins with, Gradually things got worse, through two paragraphs, ending with, Then I went on a prodigious bender, and that chance vanished. The reference numbers for yesterday, Thursday, May 19, 2022, are these. The 7 a.m. meeting, Eastern Time, 18,976, 18976. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Time yesterday, 18,977, 18977. What we are reading today is from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, as I said, and our readers today are Anne-Marie M. for the text, Dara L., and Barbara E. will be our backup. And the 12 steps will be read by Marie B. and the 12 traditions, Mary Lou G. Our newcoming host will be Jason K., and the host for the second hour, Nancy C. And thank everyone, thank you everyone for that service. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I'm now going to ask Marie B. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. Thank you, uh, Penny, for for moderating for us this morning. My name is Marie B. I'm a compulsive eater in Florida. These are our 12 steps. Here are the steps we as adapted for Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives would become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, 
admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Sixth, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to give pointers. Thank you for doing that, Marie B. And I'm going to ask now Mary Lou G. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. Thank you for letting me read today the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively eating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other OA groups, other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards uh, or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, and other public communication. In 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Mary Lou in Massachusetts, newly recovered, compulsive overeater. Glad to be here, and thanks for letting me serve. Well, thank you, Mary Lou G. from Massachusetts, newly recovered. (laughs) How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. 
This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what we read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are in Bill's story, page 5, the second paragraph, which starts with, Gradually things got worse. And we're reading through two paragraphs, ending with, Then I went on a prodigious bender, and that chance vanished. And I'm going to ask Anne-Marie M., to begin that reading for us. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Good morning, Penny. Thank you so much for being our moderator this morning. My name is Anne-Marie M. I am a recovered compulsive overeater through God's grace. I live in South Carolina, Myrtle Beach. Gradually, things got worse. The house was taken over by the mortgage holder. Anne-Marie, hello? Oh, my goodness, I read I read almost the whole paragraph. <laughs> okay, can you, you hear me now? Yes, yeah, why don't you okay. start again? We didn't, read, we didn't hear much. Okay, okay, so um, I'll start all over. Um, so I'm Anne-Marie, through God's grace, recovered from compulsive eating, and I live in South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Gradually, things got worse. The house was taken over by the mortgage holder. My mother-in-law died. My wife and father-in-law became well, ill. Then I got a promising um, business opportunity. Stocks were at the low point of 1932, and I had somehow formed a group to buy. I was to share generously in the profits. Then I went on a prodigious bender, and that chance vanished. Um, again, through God's grace, I'm recovered and so, so grateful. I was just wondering how I could relate to this. And Well, first, that, that first paragraph, my goodness, um, <clears throat> Bill's life is just tumbling down. Uh, I can't imagine things getting worse for him. How embarrassing, his, uh, you know, the house was taken over by the mortgage holder, um, you know, his mother-in-law died, and his wife had become ill. His wife is the one that was working, right? And um, so I just can't imagine things getting worse for him. And um, But then he got a, <clears throat> a promising uh, business opportunity. And I remember um, <clears throat> getting out of high school and just uh, I had gained a lot of weight and just was very, very shameful. And going into college, I was um, my... Roommate was my cousin who was very thin and very, uh, I was just very jealous of her. And I just watched her rise and I just got more and more into the food and I ended up dropping out. I My, point, my grade point average was so low that I was on probation at school and just felt awful. And so went back home and... Um, got on a diet, up and down with my weight again. But I thought I had managed to feel good enough about myself. It was all about being thin for me. And 
so once I got thin enough, I I applied to a junior college, a uh, community college. It used to be called Reject. I don't know if you remember that, but it was Rhode Island's uh, Rhode Island Junior College, but they changed the name to Rhode Island Community College because of Reject. But anyway, so I applied to that college and. I started off, but um, I couldn't. I, I couldn't focus on school. The food was calling me. It was my master. It. I just drove to school, binging my way all the way. Couldn't wait for class to get over so I could get out and binge some more. And I. I had to quit uh, once again. I had to quit, and um, my my eating got worse. My compulsive eating got worse, and so. I can understand how, um, you know, how he, he had a promising business opportunity. I had a great opportunity to start over again. I wanted to be a nurse more than anything. And I had, you know, a, this third opportunity, second second opportunity to do it, and, and I lost it because I just couldn't focus. And then when I came into OA, I just felt so badly about myself. I hated myself. I thought I was a terrible person, uh, wasting I was living with my parents at the time and wasting their time. I just felt horrible about myself. I had no idea that this was a disease. And then when I came into OA and heard that I had a mental problem as well as a physical problem, I was relieved that it wasn't that I was just a bad person, that I had a mental twist. I had an obsession of the mind that only God could remove. And I was trying to remove that on my own, and it, it didn't work, obviously. So I'll pass, and I thank you very much. Thank you, Anne-Marie M. And now I'm ready to take uh, names, but first I have to just remind everyone that at this meeting we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day, which means that if you shared on any of the Vision for You meetings on Wednesday or Thursday, um, then we ask that you hold back and allow other voices to be heard. Also, uh, please, I will be timing for three three minutes uh, shares each. So I'll do my best to hear who wants to uh, share on these two paragraphs. Nestor R. Barbara Sarah L. I missed a gentleman's voice. Dwight M. Dwight M. Okay, who was after Dwight? Sarah L. Someone L. It was Dara L., but can you also add Christina L.? Dara L. And Christine L. Okay, hold on now. Who was that last person? That will be the last one for this. Kelsey R. Tessie R. Okay. Here's who I have. Nessa R., Barbara E., Dwight M., Sarah L., Christina L., and Tessie. Didn't get her last initial, but I'll ask her to give me that. So please... If you remember, give me your your um, place where you're calling from also. And we're going to start now with Nessa R. Hi, good morning. Session for you. My name is Nessa R. I am a recovered 
compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, there's some background noise, and it's not me, so somebody is uh, is unmuted. Um, oh my gosh, promising opportunities and things get gradually um, worse. Um, I had um, an amazing, potentially amazing career, uh, making lots of money in, in high finance, um, and. Um, I lost it because of compulsive overeating. I wasn't fired because of compulsive overeating, but because of the manifestations of, of my disease. Um, you know, I was I was fired from two jobs in quick succession. And, um, you know, it wasn't even because I was spending so much time in the food court, uh, which I was, you know, going multiple times for, for multiple lunches, you know, or in, eating all the kind of junk that one eats at a, at a food court. Um, but, you know, and, and of course getting fatter and fatter and fatter to the point that, um, you know, when I was pregnant with my first child, people didn't realize that I was pregnant. <laughs> and when I was going to go on maternity leave, somebody asked me, you're pregnant? It was like, I was like nine months pregnant by that time. And it's like, you're pregnant? And that's, that's how big I got. Um, but it was because of my behavior you know, I was self-righteous, I was controlling, I was bossy, um, I was rude. And, you know, I had the best motive. Like, I really wanted to do what was best for the bank. Like, I, 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 I wasn't even thinking so much about myself, but about doing the right thing. But I went in the totally the, the, the wrong way. Um, you know, I couldn't get along with people. I, you know, totally maladjusted to life and social situations, the social graces, the, you know, the, the, the diplomacy involved in, in business relationships and, and all that kind of stuff. And as for the money, um, I don't have any of that money now. You know, I spent it all, you know, as fast as I made it, as fast as I spent it, and then even more. Um, um, no financial management skills whatsoever, whatsoever. Um, and, it, and it happened... I don't know if it happened so gradually. I guess it did, it did happen gradually, but it snuck up on me. Like, I didn't even notice that it was happening. It was like, all of a sudden, it's like, why am I fired? I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing what's best with the bank. Like, what? It, it was a total shock and a total surprise to me. And, and of course, that's the effects of the food, which just keep me, keeps me um, wrapped up in myself and what I think is right and what I want and what I think everybody should do. Um, and it doesn't work, um, you know, when we, you know, we have to get along, we have to go along to get along, um, you know, I have to consider other people and I have to consider, um, you know, what they want uh, ahead of what I want or what I think it's right. You know, like I was always thought you can either be right or you can be happy. And most of the time, 99% of the time, they are mutually exclusive. Uh, and sometimes being right is not really such a such a great deal. Like there's no great virtue, there's no godly commandment to be right. Um, and I fail to see that. And I you know that's you. why all my pro- promising opportunities vanished for me. Um, it was a hard lesson to learn, but so glad that I learned it. And I passed. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nessa R. in Toronto. And next we have Barbara E. And I know she's in New Jersey. You are so right. I'm in New Jersey. 
Well, in my OA journey, I found I'm responsible for what I say, but not responsible for how you interpret it. When I ignore my need for recovery, I go back into states of self-delusion, self-hate, isolation, superiority, and inferiority. And when I sit in the truth and I admit I need help and support and I humble myself, without it, I might go on that prodigious bender again. When I was a child, my piano teacher said, did I want to get better? And that was to practice more. And I said, of course I did, but I really didn't want to. I just wanted to get better without doing the work. And it's the same with the tools and the steps. I wanted to get better, but I didn't want to do all the work that was involved. And I found something was wrong. I wasn't getting better. I was unwilling to do 100% of the work. And my sponsor warned me again that I might return to my best friends, Ben and Jerry's, if I didn't turn this whole business over to someone I couldn't see and admit I'm powerless and my life is unmanageable. I thought I could manage anything. So who was this guy I was supposed to turn everything over to? What could this unknown source do for me that I couldn't do for myself? Well, I don't know who this spirit, this fella is, but I've got my own idea of proof. It's what's kept me absent one day at a time for two decades, and that's enough proof for me, and my best friend can no longer be Ben and Jerry. I've got to trust the process, and perhaps those promises will continue to come true for me. And that doesn't mean I won't feel ragged and sad some days, but that's where the fellowship works for me and prayers work for me too. Feelings don't mean I have to throw some food at them. And if I get lines, I can rearrange the letters and turn them into smiles. And smiles for other people can mean so much to them and so much to me. So I'm wishing you all abstinence, service, fellowships, and lots of smiles. For me, just spending time with you gives me smiles and encouragement and compassion for myself and for all God's children. Thank you for this program. Thank you, Penny. Thank you for all the people behind the lines doing service every day. Thank you. This is Barbara E. Thank you, Barbara E. And next we have Dwight M. Morning, Dwight. Hi, good morning, Penny. Thank you for your service. Dwight M. from Springfield, Ohio. I appreciate you all letting me share on the line this morning. I pray that my words might have some wisdom of recovery in them. And if they don't, that they would just fall away harmlessly. Uh, But I wanted to talk about the reading where it says uh, he kept, things just kept declining. It reminds me we have a progressive illness. It always gets worse. It never gets better. And if we go back out, we pick up where we left off. We don't start from the beginning when things were good. We start from the lowest rung of the ladder that we were on when we left and got into sobriety. So it's just a frightening prospect to think what I would eat if I go back out. Um, I would, you know, the binging that takes place, the, the shame, the guilt, the remorse, 
all of that that happens when I'm not in touch with my higher power and when I'm not submitting my life and my will over to the higher power, then that's where I go. That's where I go for comfort. That's where I go for my anxiety. That's where I go for my depression. I just use food, and uh, food is not sufficient. There is a solution, and it's a higher power, power greater than ourselves. And uh, I just know that where Bill was going down this this road, it was like everything he touched turned to garbage. And that's what happens when I eat garbage. Everything I touch turns to garbage. It isn't any good. The path that I want to be on is self-centered and self-seeking and focused on me, 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 and that I need to be the center of the universe and that I've, you know, my needs and everything go, go above everybody else's. Recovery is the exact opposite. It's being of service, maximum service to my higher power, maximum service to others. So what I pray is daily is that I can try to walk into these steps that, that save me from myself, that I can integrate these into my behavior, not only in food, but in my behavior and all my relationships, that they would be influenced by being of service, being of service, being of service. I don't know that I always succeed. I'm not 100% at it for darn sure. But I know with God's help, I have a shot today. For today, I can stay abstinent. For today, I can be sober. I'm grateful to God for that. And I'm grateful for you all for that because I can't do it alone. I have to have a higher power. And I have to have you, the fellowship. I have to have others that are walking along, trudging this road of happy destiny with me. So thank you for helping keep me abstinent. Thank you for helping me recover. I appreciate you all. Take care. Thank you, Dwight M., and we appreciate you and everyone else who shares. And next we have Dara L. Hi, great. Thanks so much. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Philadelphia, and I relate so much to these two paragraphs. You know, I was thinking about how I had gotten this amazing job in my 20s. I got this amazing job working for a hedge fund. It was like a dream come true. I was making a ton of money. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where they bought lunch every day for the employees. And I remember the head of HR coming in and, like, having a talking to with me because I think, like, most people would spend, I don't know, 10 bucks or whatever on their lunch. And my lunches were, like, $35, Um, you know, because I would, like, stockpile the food and I would wait until, like, you know, 5.05 and then I'd start eating on the way out the door and I, like, could not stop. And um, I had a $300 a day food habit and I did as a result of this disease go bankrupt and I did lose a house, um, you know, and I lost a lot of things. I lost a lot of opportunities and, um, you know, I'm 38 years old today. I'm single. I, I've never been married. Um, and I think about all the opportunities, you know, all the people that I dated the really nice guys that I met and I would like call them on the way to my next treatment center and be like, I can't do this anymore, you know, and all the, all the opportunities um, that, that vanished, you know, both that I had and that, that didn't come about because I um, was unable to not prioritize food over people. And um, this weekend, you know, I'm going to my best friend's wedding and I'm giving a, a speech at the wedding and I'm, I'm looking forward to it and also a little nervous. But it reminds me of, you know, speaking of opportunities, I, I had a, a dear friend years ago and she wanted me to be the maid of honor in her wedding and I, I didn't go. That chance um, vanished because I was in the depths of my bulimia and I was like, yeah, I don't know if I can go a day without binging and purging so I can't come to your wedding. And, um, you know, I lost that friendship. And, and I just think about all the consequences of my acting out 
behavior, both for me and for others and all the things I lost and all the vanished chances. And today I'm so glad um, that, you know, I don't have to live that way anymore, but also that it, you know, it could be right around the corner if I stop doing this work. So anyways, thanks so much and I'll pass. Thank you, Dara L. And next I'm going to call on Christina L. Good morning. This is Christina L., recovered compulsive overeater from Florida. Thanks for your service, Penny, and everybody else on the line, the one service, and Sharon. Um, at first, I had a hard time, like, really relating into this, these two paragraphs because, I, you know, I didn't have these experiences that Bill did. But, um, you know, as I looked at um, my own history and my own um, journey, like, in the program, um, you know, things were getting worse. Like when I was younger, you know, my disease started when I was when I was a kid, but um, it progressively got worse, worse, worse through the years. And um, uh, you know, each time, you know, something traumatic or emotional would happen, you know, I would turn to the food, and I was turning to the food a lot more when I was like in my teens and early 20s, I was able to take off the weight and go on a diet and exercise and get down to a normal height. I didn't stay there very long. And um, and it was just a yo-yo. And, uh, you know, things did get worse then. Um, my husband, uh, you know, it, was, it seemed like I always had a boyfriend when I was at my thinnest. And then after that, you know, that was the end of it. And then um, I'd be made again. But my husband and I met when I was, you know, at my highest. Um, and, uh, you know, thank God he loved me for who I was and not what was on the outside or anything like that. But, you know, then things got worse because then we got engaged and then we got married and then we had a kid and then my in-laws didn't like me, you know, just kind of like uh, Bill's story. Um, in the paragraph from yesterday or the day before, I think it was. And, um, you know, things did get worse. And then I did come into program. Thank you, God. And, um, you know, I put the food down. I got absent. And I got to the skinniest I had ever been in my life. And I, I thought that I had arrived. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, things did get worse because you know the food was down but there was no spiritual work there was no enlarging my spiritual life at all and i was still living on life on my terms and what i wanted everyone else to do and what i wanted god to do for me and it just does not work that way and so it did get worse and even last year um you know i had been unemployed underemployed or on short-term disability for the last two years and um, last summer in August, I was offered a job. I thought this was it. This was this was the job. And I ended up relapsing while I was there. Um, and then that job vanished because, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I turned to my boss. I was working in a religious institution. And I asked for prayers because I needed to get out of the food. And I figured, well, I'll just ask for prayers, you know. And um, I don't know if that was the reason why I lost my job because I told her that I was in a 12-step recovery program and that I was a compulsive overeater. I'll never know the reason. They never gave me an answer. All I know is that... Um, That's time, Christina. I, thanks. I'll just finish my sentence. That I lost 
I lost that job for whatever reason, unbeknownst to me. And um, it was incredibly humbling. And I'm grateful for that experience because it taught me a lot. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. And sorry, I went over a little. Thank you, Christina L. And now, uh, Tessie, I don't have your last initial, so please, please tell us. Hi, this is Kelsey R. with a K from Texas. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay, great. um, This first paragraph, it just reminds us of the progressive illness and that it happens gradually. We sometimes don't even realize how far we've come, right? Um, And only the problem in this first paragraph of the house being taken away is a result of his inability to keep commitments because of his illness. The death and illness of his family are simply part of life, right? Like he didn't cause those things, but when we are untreated, trials that happen simply as part of life are very difficult to walk through and understand why it's happening because we don't we don't see the bigger picture. We just see what's right in front of us, um, and we know that symptoms of this illness are misunderstanding, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends and employers, warped lives of blameless children, and sad wives and parents. That last one, sad wives, of, um, sad wives and parents. You know, he has a wife that's that's sick. He has a mother-in-law that just died, and he has a father-in-law who is sick. Um, and we know that Bill's problem is is lack of power, right, just as all of ours is. Um, in really all areas of life, we learn, um, not just with the food. Um, and we can see that his selfishness from character defects, right, being untreated, um, is impacting everyone around him. We are so lucky that we know that there is a solution, right? We're not there yet in Bill's story, but I feel like that's that's the good news that we should be talking about, you know, in as we as we also talk about the illness and the solution is building a relationship with God. And that is what these steps give us a blueprint for. I'm so grateful that there is a solution, one solution, um, and that we don't have to look anywhere else. Um, with that I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you. And, Kessie, if you're still there, I'm not sure how to spell your first name. Yes, Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-Y. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-Y. Last initial is R in Texas. Thank you very much. Sorry I had that wrong in the first place. So I'm ready to take some more names. I'm just going to remind everybody that we are in Bill's story. We are on page five. And the second paragraph, actually we're reading two paragraphs today, starting uh, with gradually things got worse right through to till when then I went on a prestigious bender and that chance vanished. So uh, again, if you haven't shared on Wednesday or Thursday of this week and you'd like to, please give me your name. Lisa Anita J. Ruben A. Who was asked Anita J, please? 
Moving. Paul P. I I didn't get either one of the people that was after Anita. Moving. Did you get Lisa N. from Wisconsin? And Roz P. California. Anem. Hold on now, just a minute. All right, the first person before Anita, could you give me your name again? Lisa N. Ruvain H. Lisa. Lisa N. And who was that? Sounded like a gentleman. Ruvain H. In Israel. Is it Ruth? Ruvain. Ruvain. Yeah. Okay. All right, here's who I have, and we'll see how much we can do. Um, we have Lisa N., Anita J., Rubain H., Paul P., Lisa M., and Roz G. So go ahead, Lisa N., please. Hi, Penny. Thank you so much for your service this morning. And actually, that there's a, a Lisa M. you said, too. That was me. Um, so probably, I think, I don't know if you got two Lisas or not. Um, anyway, I guess we're all on a winning streak from the sound of it. You came in here not on a winning streak, rather. And um, I, I could eerily relate to the woman who read, our fellow who read this morning, because there were so many uh, coincidental circumstances that were the same as me. Um, and somebody else told me today, isn't it strange how we can relate to, you know, I can be a woman and relate to a man who's an alcoholic and, um, you know, I, I don't have those same circumstances. I don't have alcoholism. I don't, I'm not a male, but I can relate to all of you so much and, and him. And um, it's just a, a sad thing how this disease robs us and steals from us and tries to kill us. And I, with this program, it's so amazing how it can be lifted. And I remember when um, I got a sponsor and the first time and worked the, worked the steps with that person and how within 30 days I was not eating binge food and I was not thinking about food continually like I had been. And uh, it was embarrassing. It was horrible. And um, I didn't want people to look at me. And then when I get thin, I'd want them to look at me. It was such a confusing life. And uh, I'm so grateful for this program. So um, thank you for letting me hear your voices, everyone who's sharing, because it is so wonderful to be able to relate to people when I never could before. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Penny. Thank you, Lisa M. And next, Anita J. in Massachusetts. <laughs> thank you, Penny. This is Anita J. Um, living in Massachusetts. Um, the disease started in childhood in Illinois. It's a portable disease, isn't it? But it's a portable recovery also. Um, gradually things got worse. You know, I wonder if he knew it then, while living it, that things got worse. Because I didn't understand it. I did not know that you know, the fighting now of the going between my um, son and my husband and me making it worse. Every Everything I did that I thought was 
working to keep the family whole and functioning and normal looking wasn't wasn't anything to do with it. How would I know how to do it? I needed a power greater than me. And you know, that's the thing that I always thought I was a seeker of God. Well, whatever kind of God I was seeking, he wasn't the kind that empowers you. Because what he, all he wants is for you to listen to what he has to say. Then you're free to do whatever you want. But I haven't found God makes two, I could say them there somewhere, two hard terms or two tough, you know, to, um, for you to find them. And I found them deep within me, but I had to first stop, realize I am not the great one be all and end all of anything. That came out of just deep anxiety and shame. And, um, those are gone as long as I keep God in, as my pilot and, um, and having a fellowship like you guys. I'm very, very grateful and um, want to hear more other people's journeys. I pass. Thank you, Anita J. And now we're going to Israel, Rubain H., Thank you. I have to unmute. My name is Ruvain, recovering uh, compulsive eater. Um, I just identified with um, Bill um, in terms of the losses of uh, what food addiction has done to me. Um, you know, I think much of it um, was not just the physical losses of, of jobs, um, but it was more just my being present for people um, and my learning how to take care of myself, um, how to um, put myself anywhere. Um, I did some um, drawings at one point in recovery where I drew myself lying on the ground um, and being berated emotionally um, by others and um and that is not the same today um and i i attribute it only to um the 12-step program recovery um my religion couldn't do it um um uh therapy couldn't do it um and while i don't have the recovery that i want um when i think back about where i was and where i am today um, I can stand up for myself in many, many ways that I could never do that. Um, and it also was an entry into other 12-step fellowships as well. Um, I just think about the first time I walked into a, uh, a 12-step room, which was an OA meeting in Queens in uh, 1988, and um, sitting with a group of people and just, wow, so it's like, this is where I needed to be, where I wanted to be. Um, and it was just such a beautiful experience. Um, and um, I'm not where I want to be, um, but I feel like I'm um, going in the right direction. And I'm just grateful that I never um, let go of staying on this path. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks, everybody, for your service. 
Thank you, Rubain H. And now uh, Paul P. Do we have a Paul? Thank you, uh, Penny. Uh, um, my name is Paul P. from Rhode Island. I am a compulsive overeater, and I thank you very much for letting me get on today. Uh, this is my first time sharing, uh, and I'm kind of lost, but the good Lord's going to help me. Uh, as far as the reading, I kind of uh, relate to it uh, because I guess when I was born, that's all I knew from day one, you know, eat the food uh, growing up, uh, got out of school and stores were on my way home, and, you know, and, and all that, and, you know, I can't, I'm thinking now about college, um, I gained like 30 pounds after college. Of course, college did help either. My choice of field, uh, I went to the Culinary Institute. Uh, and uh, yes, wrong choice, but <laughs> that was my field. And talk about adding and abetting my addiction. And now I am very happy to be in program. And I can't wait to see what the next corner of my life is going to be. It has given me more uh, vision of myself and more self-confidence, which I definitely need. And I thank you. Uh, and I'll pass. Thank you, Paul P. from Rhode Island. And uh, we we always enjoy hearing everyone, especially first-time sharers. And now we're going to Roz G. in California. That's right. I'm in California. Good morning, everybody. My name is Roz G., and I'm a, a recovered compulsive overeater in Palmdale, California. And uh, I like how in the beginning um, of this meeting, the instructions in the script tell us to share about um, what this, the, the readings mean to us and to give a, 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 uh, some experience on how we, how we experience these paragraphs in our own way. And um, I want to say that I, too, have experienced uh, loss. I experienced bankruptcy. I experienced the loss of a home. And I lived on welfare and food stamps, American uh, uh, poverty for many years. And I didn't know how to handle any of it. Um, and just like the other person, I didn't. I didn't know how to put myself in these situations because even as a recovered person who has worked these steps 
I, I, I've learned through the 10 step process and just through everything in, the, in this book and all the instructions and the fellowship every day, writing gratitude lists or looking at my reviews at night, how to handle situations, whether they're happy situations or tragic ones, because the book has taught me how to live. And I joined another program that has to do with money and it has revolutionized my life. So whatever state I was in, you know, whether I was eating or broke, gosh, life sucked for a long time. But I just thank God for the, for the, for the step work and for all the, the work that I do every day because my life is revolutionized. I have a wonderful home. I have a, a wonderful career. In fact, I, I get asked to do all these extra things that I wasn't even looking for in the past. I'm well taken care of, but sometimes life still happens. But today I have tools and programs and, and fellowship and the, and the step work to be able to give me direction on how to handle these problems because I don't, I don't live in bankruptcy today, but I know how it feels. But I'm glad, and I and I don't recognize, and I don't remember, you know, remember the woman that lived in those in those situations because I'm not the same woman that I was. But I'm, it's good for me to remember, so that when I work with other people or share in meetings, that I can identify with Bill, and I can identify with all of you. That I earned my seat in many types of ways, whether it was through overeating and screwing up my body or being broke. <laughs> Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Raz G. We have time for two more people who would like to share. Who would like to take those spots? Pam S. Is it Pam S? Uh, Sam. Sam. Oh, Sam from Rhode Island. And, and one more? Carmen, H.W., Illinois. Okay, H.W., first name, please, again? Carmen. C-A-R-M-E-N. Yes. Okay, thank you. All right, um, Sam, why don't you start us back off again? Good morning, Penny. Thank you for leading. Hi, everybody. I'm Sam S. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Bristol, Rhode Island. You know, these um, these paragraphs remind me that life is going to life all over me. Um, you know, people don't um, die because I'm in the food or not in the food. Um, and their death isn't, um, isn't something that happens to me. And that's where my selfishness and self-centered comes. It's, it's that I get so attached that this is happening to me. And, you know, I've heard people share and I've experienced in my very, very small time in sobriety um, that life is disappointing and that things don't necessarily work out. But there's a promise that says like job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply will not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. And I have to remember that like I can, uh, I can go through the fires of life because it's going to happen to me regardless of what I do or don't do, um, as long as I'm in, in this, uh, as long as I'm walking this road with God, and the only way that I can do it as an addict is by working these steps to just continue 
growing and I just can, can sometimes look at life and think it's not fair. It's, it's happening to me. This isn't right. And I, and I don't get a say I, I'm not in control anymore. And I just, um, remember that, you know, in the good times still drank and the bad times still drank. And, uh, and, and because of the, this revolutionary program, the good times I can stay sober and in the bad times I can stay sober. And that's a promise as a result of this work. So hallelujah, we have a solution. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Penny. Thank you, CMS. And a common HW, your turn. Hi, this is Carmen from Illinois. I wanted to share this paragraph, these two paragraphs really um, hit me. Um, Absolutely, they did today by the grace of God in the fellowship. Um, I was 19 years old and I was um, to be a bridesmaid in one my, one of my cousin's weddings. And I had gone to the final city, and I had done everything that I was supposed to do. And the night before the wedding, I got into the food. I was embarrassed. I knew my dress was not going to fit, and I didn't show up. I didn't show up for my cousin's, my first cousin's wedding. And another time, I was going, made application to a, a graduate school. I um, was supposed to take the entrance exam, and September, so that when I applied, the university could have those scores available to them when they interviewed me. Well, me and my addiction, I didn't take the entrance exam, but I went on the interviews. I applied, I got courted, and I went on the interviews. And I went to the University of Wisconsin, who was courting me hard and heavy. And the, the interviewer said, well, let me see your scores. And I sat there like an idiot and, and said I didn't take the exam. You could see the curtain fall on my opportunity. I was going to take the spring uh, entrance exam, but they would not have had the scores in time to make the decision for the uh, September class. And it was be- because of food. And when I read these two paragraphs, that's what came back to me. Um, the food has always been a roadblock. Overeating, not food, overeating has always been a roadblock for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Common H.W. And our time has just about come to an end, so we're going to close. Um, thank you to everyone who shared today and to everyone who was on the line to um, study with us. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Friday, May 20th, 2022, is 18,979-18979. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164. And we'll follow that with the serenity prayer. And Dara Dara L., will you read that for us, please? Yeah, thank you so much, Penny. This is Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day. There's a little background noise. Um, Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is an Dara L., I think we lost you. Oh, no. Okay. Um, where did you lose me? I was just reading um, away. Our own, our own house. Okay, great. I'll just backtrack a little bit. Um, ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.